You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. I don't know what got me thinking about prayer. Except, well, it's a pretty regular like part of the life, right? And we talk about it a lot. We try to do it a lot. And we try to do it a lot. Um, we talk about it a lot. Pretty basic part of the life. But, but I have this persistent feeling like we, think we're, like we feel like we're not very good at it, probably, right? I don't know. Am I right? Am I, am I making this up? Like, we get together in cell all the time. We always try to pray in cell. But sometimes it's like the most awkward part of the cell. You know, it's like the part where uh, we've been, like, really t- <laughs> talking it for the whole cell. Everybody's talking all over each other, you know, trying to break into the conversation. And then we get to the part, okay, the leader says, I want to pray. And everybody gets real quiet and awkward. Sometimes that happens, right? Is that for real? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I've just been listening to people in cell because people say this all the time. They're like, uh, I don't know. I just get the feeling people feel like they're just not good at prayer. And that, that when they think about prayer, that's what they think about. They think, ooh, I'm, not, I'm just not good at it. Oh, yeah, I'm su- that's what I'm supposed to do more of, but I never seem to do it or something like that, right? I mean, is that like... Am I just making stuff up, or does that sound kind of like right on, like spot on, like right on the money? Am I right on the money? I, I think I'm close. I've been doing this a while. Okay. So, not mad at anybody. <laughs> Nobody's in trouble, okay? I just feel fatherly about it. I want to like, I think, I think we kind of think some wrong things. I, to tell you the truth, I think we think some wrong things. I think we can change our attitudes. I don't know, but I, I find like the attitude makes such a big difference, right? Whatever it is job or whatever. So uh, I thought we could talk about this mostly thinking about, um, I thought a good place to start would be looking at Jesus praying, of course, right? But let me say this. Before we start looking at Jesus praying, the main thing I want to do tonight is look at like a particular prayer of Jesus. So we can understand like, um, you know, more of who Jesus is. Basically, because I think we're going to learn a lot. I mean, I think if, if you listen to, say, Ben pray, you know a lot about Ben by how he prays. You learn about, like, the people in your cell. You learn, like, listen to how they pray. You're going to, like, hear something. Especially people who pray a lot and have a lot of experience with it. I mean, there's something to it, right? Thanks, Thomas. Hey, I was, a. Uh, your mom shared with us some years ago this thing on NPR. It was about prayer. You guys know NPR, right? National Public Radio? I don't recommend it. I, I kind of feel like it's a bunch of garbage most of the time. But uh, it's getting worse and worse, too. But years ago, there was a story on there that um, Dr. Gwen White shared with us. I was looking online for it, and I could only find recent stuff. So I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't have it for you. But let me set it up, okay? Now remember. I'm talking about us, our little church here, where, I mean, I think you just agreed with me when I was saying that I feel like we're not real super confident prayers. We don't pray with a lot of confidence generally. I, I like to think of maybe we're faithful in our prayers, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel the confidence. Well, this, this story on NPR, it's probably like eight years ago. The reporter went out on the street in, um, I think it was Los Angeles, Maybe it was Toledo. And just asked people on the street, do you pray? And, you know, they recorded the answers and cut them all together and put it on the radio. Man, 
you, you wouldn't have guessed it because like 60 some percent, I'm kind of making up that number, but it feels right. It's like 60 some percent of the people were like, yeah. Like they responded, yes, I do pray. They acknowledged it. You know, in this place we live nowadays, I mean, it was only a few years ago. You know, I would not have expected such a, such a high answer. Maybe there's something about the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, single stranger asking you the question and they're gonna walk away in a minute. Maybe that allowed people to be a little bit more honest. I don't know. But I was surprised at the number. You know what? I think it's right. I think people are praying all the time. I think they don't know it, too. And I think we have some wrong ideas about prayer. And I think we should um, think about it. But first, let's look at Jesus praying. Okay? I want to, um, the Baptists can turn to John 17 in your Bibles. That's a joke. Everybody else? I guess I'll just read it to you. I grew up in a place where we all took our Bibles to church. It was fun. But I'm going to read this to you. Maybe we'll read some of it together later. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but let me set up the context. John was like the youngest of Jesus' 12 apostles, the people who followed Jesus. He was the youngest one. He was probably only a teenager when he started following Jesus. Crazy thing is, we think he lived longer than any of the other 12. We think he lived well into his 90s. In captivity, I think maybe like the last, I don't know, quarter of his life, possibly, he was in captivity. He was in, uh, put on a, like a sort of a prison island. Patmos, in between uh, Turkey and Greece. He lived probably alone or in a very, very lonely place. And we think that that was the time that he wrote down the gospel. Ben, is this true? You've been to seminary. That's what many people think. That's, and it's definitely what the original story was from the church fathers. Let's go with it, That's okay? Because we don't have a better story. Too, right? yep. Let's just go. What's I that, think Mrs. John King? had the best hand of cards, by the way. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Did we miss something, Mr. Do you have something to add? That's where he wrote Revelation too. Yes. Yes. The most metal book in the Bible. Read it. He did. He was. They call him uh, John the Revelator too, right? Oh, because yeah. he he received this great revelation. Um. So we think John was John was probably real, real, real old. So think about that for a second. Somewhere at the beginning of his life, he had this experience with Jesus. And somewhere at the end of his life, way after Jesus is gone, he's living far away from everybody who loved him and knew him in this lonely, lonely place. And that's where he writes the story of Jesus. So that, to me, gives, like, I want to give John some special attention when I'm reading uh, that. Because it's um, a story that has been in John's spirit, like, bubbling up in John's spirit for a long time, right? Over a lifetime, it was considered. And he had a lot of time to remember these stories, uh, what happened when Jesus was with him. And here, <clears throat> here he's like writing about the very last hours that Jesus was with them, before Jesus' big uh, cataclysm, personal catastrophe. He's arrested, tortured, and killed, and separated from everyone who came to love him. In that uh, final hours before that happened, remember, John is remembering this at the end of his life. There appears this uh, prayer. Jesus spends time with his disciples. You know the story. They met in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, big feast. 
Jesus breaks bread. He says, this is my body. He passes the cup around. He says, this is my blood. He said, this is a new promise, a new covenant. And he prays this prayer at that time. I'll read it to you. It's a bit long, uh, but maybe I won't read the whole thing, okay? This is the message. I'm going to read from the message. Jesus said these things. Then, raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son, in turn, may show the bright splendor of the Father. You put him in charge of everything human so that might, he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you sent. I glorified you here on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place, and you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. They know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, yours is mine, and my life is in, on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They will continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so they can be one heart and one mind, just like we are one heart and one mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them. It's probably enough for right now. This prayer goes on for a long time like that. It's very different from, you know, the time when Jesus' disciples asked him, uh, teacher, how should we pray? And he taught them what we call nowadays the Lord's Prayer. Probably more accurate name for that would be the disciples prayer because he taught it to the disciples as a way to pray i don't know i think i think what's special about the that prayer the disciples prayer is that it's it's very very simple very it seems like jesus is just saying oh yeah you you could just pray like this just ask for the things that you need praise god ask him for the things you need be simple this prayer however is really different i mean jesus is in i mean I don't know how much Jesus understood about what was next, but it had, <laughs> had to feel pretty bad to know that such suffering is, is here. He's saying, Father, it's time. We can really see, though, what, what's up with Jesus, who Jesus is, by how he's praying. 
This is a really personal prayer. When you read it through, go home and read it through, John 17. It won't feel very organized. It feels uh, discursive, kind of rambling. It seems to repeat itself, sort of. The ideas seem like similar ideas, but kind of layered on top of each other. Over and over, and say, kind of like, what, what's, what's Jesus doing? Well, um, my contention here tonight is to say, well, we can know so much about a person by how they pray. But first, let's talk about how you pray. Like, what's so difficult? What are the obstacles? I'm going to try to cover a few of those. The things that I've heard lately, like in cell and in meeting and just experience myself. Like, what are the things that get in the way when we pray? And I want to examine what, how Jesus prayed specifically in this instance, in this very uh, difficult instance, and uh, see what we get from it. Does anybody have it? I mean, what, what pops into your mind right away? I mean, like, what's, what's hard about it? Everybody agrees it's hard. I want to make sure I address everything. Yeah. I know some people from, well, my other church that I go to and, and other churches, when they pray, it sounds like they're preaching a sermon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just talk to the Lord, you know, thank yeah. you for this. Please help me with that. Do you feel like there's like a kind of like... I could be talking on the phone. Yeah. I feel like there's pressure to pray like the right way at that, the other community you're talking about. But. No, it's just what people are used to. They're what they're used to, yeah. It does feel weird sometimes, right? You just like pass your I feel like I don't feel, I don't feel in. Yeah. Fit in. Well, we're going to talk about that. Anything else? I'll tell you what I have, what I am going to talk about. Like some, some folks are like, Ms. P already addressed this. Like, I don't know enough about God or I don't know enough about anything. I don't know God well enough to pray. There's mm -hmm. some different variations on that. Yeah. Talk about that. One yeah. that I've one that I've heard is I I'm too sinful to yeah. approach God. I'm I'm disqualified. Yeah, that's I'm disqualified. I, I definitely feel and, and I, I'll confess that I when I'm feeling particularly sinful in the wake of of some recurrent yeah. sin, it's not usually my first inclination to want to pray. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that that distance. That feels pretty familiar to me. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like guilt a lot of times when I'm praying for myself, like things that I want. Mm. Like I feel like I can, I'm only supposed to pray for like other people. Right. Am I doing it the right way? Yeah. Ugh. I'm probably standing here like an idiot praying all these things, and God's like, this guy just won't do it the right way. Maybe. How about I pray, but nothing happens, and that feels weird, so I feel like I'm convincing myself that this is all done. One way I think helps is doing Lectio Divinas because they're kind of directed. I like that about them. If I, you still have that like feeling of fear of going to God when you feel like you've sinned, but at least it like lays it out like a some kind of uh, structure and some kind of content to like think about to not have to think about the sins as much to focus you on. So. Well, how do you how do you do that usually? Do you have someone lead you, or are you watching a YouTube video, or? Yeah. So you take. Uh, a chapter, some verse verses from the Bible, from the not Bible, from the Gospels, in the Bible. But you take that and read it once, and kind of just try to like picture what's going on, and uh, meditate on it for five minutes, like or not, yeah, like five minutes of uh, 
what the story looks like in your head, then you read it again and then relate it to your life and then you read it again and think about like um like then you actually just like feel the feelings in your body for like five minutes and pay attention to how it affects you there. So there's like a formula for how this is done and you can just like do the thing. Yeah, I don't follow the exact formula, but I do read it and process it and then read again, reprocess it and see how it relates to my life. I've been, this week I did some church, the uh, 721 and then the one after that in Matthew, like one about the century and I thought it was really interesting uh, because like the centurion had um, a slave and a like servant and like a I guess he was like he had all this and um, he was a Roman soldier too so it was like this these were the people that like were kind of not in flavor of what was going on with the religion and um, anyways but Jesus said that when you come when my servant, I ask my servant to come, he comes. When I ask my slave to come, he comes. And maybe there's one more out there, one. But Jesus said, you guys hear this? This is the most, like, sacred man of that I've met here so far. And I guess the idea is kind of that I think is cool is that, like, there's this, like, thing in there where I guess, like, um, he has, it would seem wrong that you have a slave, but he treats them in such a way that they respond to him and, like, how power actually, like, is kind of helpful. I don't know. Some people might be able to think, take it in different ways or whatever, but... But the project sounds good, and the mm-hmm. insight is is going to keep giving, you know? Yeah. It's called Lectico Divina, right? Lectio Divina. Yeah, it's just like kind of that assurance that your like mm. sins are forgiven, kind of, because this guy's a slave, but yet our sins are forgiven, mm. and God like treats kind of like because even though he is a slave, the slave like really respects him and likes him, and this unique like despite there being a sin. The, I can see how that got you like really into the story. Like, yeah, like Lectico Divina is kind of a um, very uh, concentrated kind of listening. It's yeah, kind of like a listening prayer reflective. more than a speaking prayer. So it's, a, it's kind of a whole different thing yeah. that you can do when you're like, oh, I, what do I, I don't know what to say when I pray. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. You can listen to it. It's part of hanging out. Yeah. That's my favorite way to pray. And then and for, in that kind of prayer, my biggest obstacle is sleep. Mm-hmm. We're oh. going to hit on that, too. I have to go to bed Uh-oh. and then wake up uh, well, alive. <laughs> okay. Here's the three. We're kind of going to cover a lot of what you guys said through like the different variations. I have like three main like categories. Like I'm disqualified, right? Because I don't know enough. I'm bad, or you know, I don't understand God, or I don't, you know, the, the, the I'm disqualified kind of obstacle to prayer. The ineffectual prayer, like I pray but nothing happens, or I don't feel different, or what's this all for anyway. Uh, that kind of obstacle, we'll talk about that. And I, yeah, something else here. Ah, the inconsistency thing. A little bit like I'm disqualified, but I don't do it well enough. I pray, but not enough for it to amount, amount to anything. Mm. So we'll try to we'll take a look. But um, yeah, so this, this Jesus' prayer, remember, it's coming at a very, very, very trying time. Right? It seems like it would be a very, very, very important prayer. 
it's Jesus' last moments in private with his, uh, with his people. Um, I want to say this. Uh, if you think you don't know enough, don't got to know much. It's, it's not about um, knowing in, in, in that way. It's not about uh, knowing enough. Okay. In fact, um, Jesus, in his prayer, I don't know if you heard him, he kind of keeps saying the same kind of basic stories of Jesus, the story of Jesus' ideas over and over. I, Jesus, came from God to tell people that God loves them, to show who God really is, and these ones believed me. He's telling that story. Thank God these ones believed me. Jesus is not so much um, expounding, giving some big, complicated sermon, explaining things. He's kind of uh, saying the basics over again, like to himself, to the people closest around him. It's like he's rehearsing them again. He's like restating the basic truth again. That's good. He's bringing that like out of this world context, right, to our in the world context. It changes things. Just the way he says, Father. He lifted, up, he lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, it's time. Father. It's a great word. I, I know, I tread lately here, because you know, when I say Father, you know, everybody has this father wound thing. And some people have had really pretty, pretty nasty dads. But it's a great word. Let it be great for a second. Jesus prays, he turns up to the eternal God across the whole universe, outside of creation. It says, Father, Father, Father. It's a really big deal that Jesus does this. And I think in our prayers, it would be a really big deal if we kept doing that, like we kept reminding ourselves, oh yeah, what are the basics again? Just that, oh God, yes. The one who loves me, God, my Father, I, I'm going to strongly suggest that you pray using the word Father. If, if you can't use the word Father, yeah, that's okay. You can, you can find another word for it. But I think you should have a word. It's how we know. You know, It's not knowing like I know for sure for a fact of something, like I understand it, like I comprehend it. It's the knowing like uh, in French it's connaissance, it's I, I know, I've experienced them. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Those, yeah, I'm familiar, I know them. And we know them by name, right? You need a name first, you know? You need a name. It's a, it's a particular God, it's not um, Jesus is talking to. You can say Jesus yeah. too, right? Have a person. I, I think so, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that's what Jesus' prayer sounds like, too, right? I mean, because he keeps saying, God, I'm in you as you're in me, as I'm in them. Be in me as I'm in them. It's, it, it is very mixed up. I think it's like that on purpose. We'll talk more about that in a second, too. I mean, listen to your own prayer or how you approach God or maybe the fear that crops up in your heart when you go to pray, when you have that feeling like, oh, this obstacle I have to pray through, Ugh, I don't like it. It's probably telling you some bad thing about, some wrong idea about maybe God that you have. Like, when you go to pray, I mean, I want to be like Mrs. P because I think she's got a very firm idea of a father who loves her and is ready to give her, I don't know, everything, maybe? 
Or when you go to pray, do you feel like you're approaching an absent but stern punisher, maybe? Some people feel like that. Some people feel like they're praying to the monkey's paw. Like, I don't want to ask for the wrong thing or like God will give me cancer because God's the one that could actually give you cancer. Like God is worth fearing because he's the one with all the power. Ah, oh, I can't do this. Are these people that read the Bible? Yeah, I don't know. But people say things like this. Because the Bible says God loves us and he wants us to pray without ceasing. I wish we could keep, just keep it simple, but these things creep in, Mrs. P. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe this is what isn't for you, Mrs. P. You might be an advanced... I'll be quiet. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe some people have, you know, they start to really uh, open up their mind about what God could actually be, and uh, it's this chaotic, creative, destructive force, impersonal, beyond everything. Or maybe just a, a retired board watchmaker who sets his watch on the, sets the clock on the shelf and walks away. It's worth examining here how um, Jesus is praying because it's, it's telling us so much. This God is really, 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 really interested and connected and with him in, in this mission and has given him something to do and he's doing it. Maybe when you pray, like you bring the checklist to prayer. Do you do that? Some people do and it seems to be effective for them. I remember I was at this uh, retreat once with all folks from Circle of Hope and like, since you're on retreat, like, and everybody has to get up early, it's awkward to sleep late. It's weird and embarrassing. Everybody's up early, so everybody, you know, like devotion times kind of build in, even if you never really do it, maybe. You know, people are gonna probably do it on retreat, because that's what you're there for, too, retreat. I remember like walking around looking for a spot to sit down and pray, and all these guys are pulling out like these really long, like, hand-printed checklists to pray through, and it's like very impressive, like, man, they're really serious prayer. Um, and I have used checklists at times to pray, but I don't, I don't do that lately. Why did I mention that? Sorry. I don't think it's so much what we're praying. You'll forget what you're praying about. But I think it's important to establish early on, it's like the who, it's not the what you're praying. Whatever you don't know, whatever you can't hold in your mind right now, it's fine. It's, it's, it's the who you're praying. Jesus establishes this right away. Your dad was probably less than perfect. Right? Far, far less than perfect. And mine was too, but still that father, father. It's, it's, it it, it, it recontexts wherever I am. Everything's falling apart, but I can still turn to my father. I pray, but nothing happens. Is like a really common thing. It came up in our cell lately. We were talking about it. Um, and I, I just think the answer to this is like, but so much is happening all the time. In fact, so much is happening all the time that you just, it's easier just to think it's all the same rather than to actually look at all the little changes that are going on, for real. Do you see the, did you see the maple buds come out this week? They came out this week. Yeah, you probably didn't notice. Are they, they red? Are they red? Yeah, they're like a dark crimson color. Yeah, yeah, those are the maples. I didn't yeah, know that. That's okay. maples. Yeah. I saw them. I didn't know what they were. And did you see what came out in you this week? I don't know what it was. I didn't see it. I'm not in you. I can't see it. But something came out like that. I mean, that's the way change is, right, in this world that we work through, right? It's uh, Change happens really, really slowly, I think, for the most part. In fact, when change happens quickly, it's such a weird thing that we... Uh, 
we get all excited about it and kind of have a party when a baby's born or something. Because we, it's just an occasion to see the change. But real change, really, that baby's been growing all along. We're all little, little small, right? Day by day, day by day. Couldn't possibly pay attention enough. We're not, we're not built that way. I pray, but nothing happens. Is um, I don't know. It's our impatience, I think. But you probably know that already. In fact, um, when we pray, our, our minds change like a lot. I say that when our minds when when we pray, when we pray a lot. I think your mind changes a lot. When I went on uh, NPR.org to look for the story that Ben's mom taught us about years ago. I couldn't find it, but I found another uh, story on there that says, scientists say prayer changes our brains. Ooh. I didn't read the article, but I'll just throw that out there for you. NPR said that. Okay. But I, I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that at all. Because um, I don't have the details on the scientific study, but I don't doubt that at all. Because I know people who've been praying for a long time, and there's something about them. You know it, right? You know that guy in your cell who can pray like that? And man, that's, wow. You know anybody like that who prays? I mean, my dad was like, man. I just remember I would always get up, if I ever got up early in the morning, any, any given morning, and I went downstairs, I know like at six o'clock, he would be downstairs, and um, he'd be on his knees, and he would have his face in the seat of the couch. That's how he prayed all the time. And he was different for it. And, and if you know people who have been praying all their life, they're, they're different people. They're special. And you probably want some of it. You should, you should try it. But like, just like weightlifting or anything. I, I did judo for a long time, and, and I'm a black belt now. You know how? Because I'm so good at judo? No, I, I just kept doing it. And anybody who does it for, maybe do it for 10 years or something, you'll get a black belt. <laughs> and now I know, oh, it doesn't mean that I know everything. Now I know like there's plenty of things I don't know in judo, right? It, but you know the best thing is to know you don't know much and you're bad at it. So get, like, get to work. Do a little bit. Do a little bit, and you'll you'll get somewhere eventually. Sure you will. I mean that's just the way that's just the way life is. And we're trained, you know, to think that I guess because a lot of us encountered um, people who taught us to pray when we were young. So we developed ideas about prayer when we were young, when we didn't understand like how work or change happens. So it, it can like feel like God's not answering my prayer, but how would you even know? I mean, we can't even pay attention to the normal things going on around us. Are you really paying attention and looking for how your prayers are being answered? Because um, you're, you're changing all the time, I'm telling you. And if you develop this habit of looking, and looking for the answer to your prayer. It's not probably going to come how you expect, right? Almost never does. That's not how it works. I mean, Jesus was not what people expected when he came and showed the absolute character of the living God. You know, it wasn't what people expected, but it was good. They loved him. I pray, but, but nothing happens. Um, when I said to-do list, what, what did you think about? Were you thinking about taking out the trash? Or were you thinking about, I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't do this thing that's due this week? Or were you thinking, I'm going to be embarrassed if I never find a spouse? Or I'm going to be really sad if I never make up with my mom uh, before she dies? It's kind of interesting to no notice what's on your to-do list. If that's what when you pray, if that's your obstacle, it's interesting to notice. Because you could get down to business and really ask God about each one of those things. Um, 
my prayer life has gone through a whole lot of different uh, permutations. Lately, I feel like I'm praying when, um, not in a scheduled way, but I'm praying when I'm very worried about something. I find I'm very worried about things a lot, so it's very useful like to talk to God about it. And um, let's move beyond Let's move beyond the Santa Claus thing. Probably most of you are, are eager to do that, right? You don't want to have like a Santa Claus view of God. So moving beyond it, I, I was worried about one of my kids, and I, I, I just was like, God, I'm so worried about my kids, you know? I'm really worried. So when I'm praying, I often imagine God like uh, my dad, but way, way, way better than my dad. And, um, you know, so you go to your dad to ask for something, right? with a list, you know, you don't want to go with a whole big list. So you go with the most important thing. That's how I often approach, like the most important thing. This is really worrying me right now. You go to dad and ask for help, and uh, what's gonna happen? He's gonna help you. Um, but he's probably gonna discuss it with you, right? Like what's going on? You know? And that's what I heard, was like, what, well, what's going on? What is it? What is it that I'm worried about with my kid? And I actually had to think about it, like I was telling it to God, like I want to, I want, I want help for this thing. What, what is it that I'm worried about? And I started to list some of my specific fears. And then I heard back, well, what should I do about it? Like what, what should I, you know, I use my imagination to imagine God who really loves me. And like this works, right? <laughs> this works because it's, it's the best. It's like the queen coming to visit you. You know, it's a figurehead, yes, but you, you, you've lived some life. You know how to sniff out love. So you can do this. You can, God sang back to me, well, what would you like me to do? You know I can do anything. What would you actually like me to do? And here's where it starts to feel like the monkey paw, you know? You want to be careful what you ask for. And it's like started, starting to instruct, like what do, what do I really want for my kid that I'm worried about? You know, and I was reflecting on it a few minutes and I was, I thought, you know, I just really, I don't want my kid to not have any problems. That's not it. And I'm not really worried about cataclysm crashing down on my kid. That's very rare. And I don't want to walk around afraid of that. So what am I asking for? I said, God, I'm just afraid that my kid's not going to know you in a really deep way. And that's what I want. God said, yeah. Yeah, me too. God said good. What can you do about it? Okay? I'm helping. What can you do about it? Okay? So it's like, wow, what a great process to go through. To go from fear, kind of fear that I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what it was, fear that was rattling around in my mind, keeping me from other things, got me to the point of, God's loving me. God cares about this too. Um, really, this is God's project. Actually, I'm wanting a good thing, and what can I do to help? can I do? What small thing can I do right now? Yeah. And I didn't come up with an answer, but man, did my attitude like really change? I bet the next time I see this kid, I'm gonna, that's gonna be in there. And that's different. That changes things. Right? I can't believe it's seven after seven. Is that right? Uh, I think so, yes. I'm sorry to this going so long, guys. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I pray, but nothing happens. Like I said, no, I, we change. You know, I'm talking about how I just in that little instance I was changing, and uh, I, I think the world changes. You know, Jesus was prayed this with his followers. What, like two thousand years ago? 
Deja, can you give me that uh, chart, please? This is just one little thing Christians have been praying about for since then, basically since then. You know, the first Christians were pretty famous. The early Christians were famous for helping the poor, rescuing babies uh, who are abandoned, taking care of widows. Christians have been praying about the poor all over the world for like 2,000 years. And this is some data that just shows, um, that, what does it show? The number of people living under $1 a day since 1820, the number of people living under $2 a day since 1820, and then, you can't see it? Okay. It's, it's $2 per day, is that one, one, one uh, 190 right? Is that what this is time, along the bottom, yeah. and this is percent of the world population. This is 1820, so the top line says 94% of the world in 1820 lived on less than $2 a day, and 84% of the world in 1820 lived on less than one dollar a day, and this is the year 2000, and now we're a quarter of the world population, and this is 2000, almost 20 years ago, a quarter of the world population is living on less than a dollar, half of the world population living less on two dollars. Oh my God, look at this. And I really say, oh my God, we're in God's presence right now. Praise the Lord. Um, projected for 2015, this is the latest thing I can find, is only 10% of the world's population living on less than $1.90 a day. Sorry, that's a lot of numbers. But holy, holy God, that is a lot of the world improving for poor people, I think. When I look at that, that's amazing. It, Christians have been praying about this for about 2,000 years, I would say. I was looking for a graph of like, where we could quantify like worldwide missionary activity. Couldn't find it, but I bet. The, it would be like an X, you know, around 1820, worldwide missions are just kind of coming into consciousness. And, and I mean, now there's people all over the world. I'm fully expecting missionaries to come from India and China and Central Africa to us, to, to talk to us and, and strengthen our faith. If you know anything about how the world is right now, where the faithful people are. Um, this is an amazing thing to me. We don't usually think about the world getting better world has gotten better. Prayer, I think, I don't know, I think it changes things. Maybe it was colonialism or something else, or maybe it was the Industrial Revolution, or maybe it was materials science or agriculture. But, um, you know, a lot of those, like, agriculturalists and engineers and scientists and tradespeople, a lot of those are faithful people. And, you know, Jesus said that's how it worked, right? He said, you're like the salt, you're like the yeast. Certainly you're those like that the, are taking the... Thing agricultural technology to the places where the, the most abject poverty is. Yes, they are almost yeah. always Christians. Yes. At least they all started that way. Yeah. You know? I mean, we live in a, a world that's very, very Christian in, in some ways. Gosh, this is, I have so much to say, guys. I feel bad. Maybe I should just talk, tell you the rest next time. Let's do one other thing, though. What is it? I pray uh, that nothing happens. Um, graph of poverty. Okay, I pray, but I'm such a weak prayer. I pray, but my mind, my mind wanders so much, it just seems pointless. Um, I kind of must be such a disappointment to God. Uh, you know, I'm to pray. God must be like, this again? This guy can't even finish a sentence or something. And you don't think God is like that. But let me ask you this. What is the end you have in mind with all this prayer? Like, why do you want to get better at prayer anyway? Is, is your hard work the point? I mean, prayer is work, it's true. 
Um, and it's made of virtue of hard work, right? Ambitious people, it's virtue, virtuous, right? I don't know. I don't know, I kind of think like this is all kind of a big time lie. Maybe you just shouldn't pray if that's, if that's, if that's why you're doing it. Like, I don't know, talk to God, pray about that. Um, I mean, uh, Jesus in this whole session, this last session with his guys, with his people, he's physically demonstrating abiding. This is, this is, the, this is the praying. It is hard to, for us to abide. It's hard for us to stay in that new context of God is loving us. And um, I have so much to say. Jesus is not even praying for the world in this prayer. He says, I'm not praying for the world. I'm just praying. He says, the world is gone. I'm praying for God in the world. These ones who believe and the ones who will believe because of the word that they will hear through them. Jesus is praying for you in this very thing, you know. And this whole uninterrupted continuity, this chain, this stream of the word coming down from Jesus to his friends, to their friends, to us, you're a part of it and Jesus is praying for you here. This is what John wanted you to hear, you know, at the end of his life as he was remembering all this. Um, there's lots of reasons. It's very hard for us to uh, abide. Uh, I've got so much more here to talk about, but it's, it's late. I don't want to hold you guys. Let's just add one application, okay? No, three applications. Can we do three? Three. Three applications. Okay, just do me some favors. Let's just do this, because we're coming up on Lent, right? And you guys, a lot of you guys are probably in your Lent plans. You're like, okay, going to get serious about praying. It's Lent. we got to do this. i really got to do this. And I want to feel it, right? I want to feel it this time. Prayer is going to be important. So let's make a few adjustments, okay? First, let's not make prayer a special thing anymore. Let's just make it ordinary. All right. All right. Well. Got it? It's not a special thing. It's just ordinary stuff we do. In fact, I'm praying right now. Because God is most certainly here with us, all right? most certainly present to what I'm saying, these words, and God's hearing my words right now. And hopefully agreeing with a lot of what I'm saying. Maybe God's excited about it. And I'm saying this in your presence, God. Let it be for these ones. Let, let goodness happen here amongst us, amen, right? Just normal. God's here all the time listening to us. We should just pray like that all the time, you know, and not make it special. It's probably why she shouldn't use so many curse words, too. God's present and hearing you all the time. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe God doesn't care, but maybe you feel shame about it. I don't know. Think about it. Pray about it. Yes. When we pray for each other, here's the second thing. When we pray for each other, let's just do it. Like, wherever you are. Like, people have prayed for me in, like, the high school hallways. Just standing there. We just stop. Somebody prays for me. That changes stuff. More than, like, hey, uh, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. That's nice, too. But let's just do it right now. Let's just throw it down right now. Stop in the middle of the supermarket at the deli counter and be like, God, just ask, take care of my uh, brother here. I'm worried about him. You can go ahead and say the things you guys already know. Like, God, we feel bad about this. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. God, I'm so happy. This cool thing happened. And we're, we, we praise you. You're the one we're going to praise. Um, just do it. Just make it ordinary. Just pray with each other. But pray with each other, for each other, when you're with each other. Just do it right then. Is that is that cool? It's the point is being together and doing it together. Uh, that man, that strengthens uh, faith. 
Uh, last one. You know that feeling? Who has hectic mornings here? I should ask, who doesn't have hectic mornings? Is there anybody who has like a real peaceful morning? Yeah, you guys are cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally All right, I'm talking to everybody else. Hectic morning people. I'm in between. Yeah, me too. If you yeah. wake up. But you know that you know that thing when like okay so sometimes life's stressful you might have a season like this this might be everyday reality for you or it might never happen to Ben but uh, you know <laughs> you know the feeling it's like three in the afternoon and you're like oh wow I didn't even pray yet <laughs> yeah, does that happen to you yeah. Alex come on tell the truth yeah. right you felt that yeah dude I'm gonna confess to my brother right here. Yeah. Sometimes, like the first time I pray the day, the first time I consciously pray, because remember, we're changing this idea of prayer being this special thing. Right? Sometimes the first time I like actually uh, intentionally pray in a conscious way uh, is like when I'm lying down to sleep at the end of the day. And um, I, think, I think God's pleased. I just don't think, I want to do better. I don't know. I want to have more joy and do better. Then at the end of the night being like, okay, God, I'm lying down to sleep now and it's all dark and some of my craziest fears come out now, but I'm gonna trust you uh, for this night of rest. You know, that's that's cool. Probably probably do more than just that though, right? Uh, something that something that probably wouldn't help you is if at three in the afternoon when, when you remember God, you're like, oh, it's God, geez, that's right. I live under God, and I live in the reality of God, that's right, and I ought to be praying, gosh. You might feel like a whole lot of guilt right then, right? You might feel the guilt come crashing down. You might feel inauthentic and all that. I'm like, why do I even like, put this pressure on myself? I should probably not put this pressure on myself. You might start like a chain of thinking like that. All right. When that happens, this is what I want you to do. I'm telling you this is, uh, you know, you're not in trouble. I'm telling you, like, I'm like your father. I'm like, I want you to try to do this, okay? When, when that happens, when you, when you have that realization, oh, I didn't pray yet. Like, it's not you remembering. It's God coming to you again. Mm. It's God coming to you again. And when, so when that happens, what do you do? You don't have to have anything to say. Say, it's you, God. It's you. It's you. You're the one, God. You're the only one. That's it. Make it simple. The song I played in the beginning, Deja, can you play the second music? The song I played in the beginning is an old, 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 old song, way back to the beginning of the church, called Tedeum, and that's Latin for uh, basically you, God. It's a long poem. It's a hymn. It says, you, God, we praise. God came to you again. God came to you again. You were you had forgotten God again. God came to you again. So greet him joyfully. Greet, 
greet the Lord joyfully in that moment. It'll lead to more praying. We have to change our attitudes about prayer. We have so many unhealthy kind of attitudes about prayer. I think it really holds us back. And I don't want to be held back anymore from uh, Jesus' joy being complete. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.